0: We all, everyone in this room, has uh, a circle of relationships, Uh, people that you're connected to. uh, Some of those people could be really close to you, um, but there's honestly people in our circle that we're not as close to. Uh, That circle of relationships would include uh, family. Uh, Maybe they're family you live with, maybe not. Uh, Friends are in that circle of relationships. Uh, If you work, there's going to be people in your circle that you work with. If you're a student, there's people in your circle that you go to school with. Uh, Most of us live somewhere, so the people that live around you are, uh, and you may not be particularly close to your neighbors, or you may, but they they include, uh, I think, your circle of relationships. And I I want you to kind of visualize that this morning. Who's in your circle? What does your circle look like? If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual responsibility to the people that are in your circle. If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual responsibility to those people in your circle of relationships and influence. Now, if you took everybody in this room and you could uh, plot our circles, and I know our circles aren't just geographic circles because they, they reach other places. Well, good grief, we have social media. I haven't even talked about that. Yeah, anyhow, you've got all kinds of people in your circle that you have relationships or influence with. But if you could just, if we visualize that, and we looked at Huntington, Texas, and we began to plot our circles in Huntington, Texas, I would hope that in our church we could, if you put all of our circles on a map, and I know this is a simplification, but we would cover Huntington, Texas, by our web or our circle of relationships. Does that make sense? And, and you think, wait a second—we through one person or another that is a part of our church, we have a connection. I don't know, with the vast majority of the 8,000 people that live in Huntington and really beyond that, um, if you just take that concept back 2,000 years and you go to the first century church, the problem that we raised last Sunday is that their circles were too small their circles were limited in fact if you graphed it they were only the only people in their circle of relationships were Jewish people which I said last Sunday was 1% of all of the world's population so think about what they've done when they said really we're just interested in Jewish people then they have eliminated 99% of the people in the world were gonna be outside their circle. If you just took it geographically, they had really focused on Judea and Samaria. And just geographically, as I said last week, that land mass as compared to the rest of the land in the world was only one hundredth of one percent of the land mass. So if you looked at it geographically it's like, wow, they are really limited. They're not there's the vast ninety nine point nine nine percent of the world that they had no influence over they had created barriers that limited their circle of relationships and influence and therefore they had no spiritual impact on those what about God's circle what is God's circle Look like? God's circle of relationships and influence. <laughs> well, this is one of those Sunday school answers. Jesus loved everybody. News flash. So who's included in Jesus, God's circle? Everybody. Thank you, Barry. Everybody. <laughs> what percent of the landmass in the world is God interested in? All of it. Thank you, Barry. I didn't even prompt him on this. He's getting this. He's tracking me this morning. Acts 1.8 said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's desire is that his people would expand their circles so that they included everybody everywhere but the early church could just not get back they could not get away from their prejudice of how they had lived for so many years this morning just really for a few minutes I want to talk about missions and I want you to see this statement and it's on your sheet Oh, we're going to need our sheet this morning because we're going to have to hit some of this stuff. We're going to have to hit it. Not the prayer sheet, but the the reference sheet. Missions, it's at the bottom of the page. Missions is crossing geographic and or ethnic barriers with the gospel. For the gospel to go into all the world, the church has to have a vision to get out of its circle that we naturally have there have to be some people and some churches that expand their circle so that all the world is included under the spiritual influence of christ god does this in a church and i want you to look with me in acts 13 1 through five this is the story it says, Now in the church that was in, at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away outside their circle. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, which was the port city. And from there they sailed to Cyprus, which was where Barnabas was from and when they had arrived in Solomus which was a city in Cyprus they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews they also had John as their assistant now the church of Antioch was the church that God chose (laughs) in tune with the Holy Spirit to expand outside their circles so that for the first time the gospel would be intentionally taken across geographic and ethnic barriers to, so that the gospel would go into the ends of the earth. Do you get it? Our circles are too limited. And God said there's some people that are outside your circle that will never hear the gospel because there's not a Christian that is an influencer in their life. Therefore, you have to expand your circle, the church at Antioch was that church and they were positioned for missions. There's about three ways that I see. And In verse 1, it tells us that their leadership was more diverse than the church of Jerusalem which had taken center place up until this point in the gospel. Verse 1 has a list of five leaders. Some of them are Jewish, some of them are Gentile. Barnabas is from Cyprus, a couple of them are from Africa. One of them is a Roman citizen, Saul of Tarsus. He's also highly educated. One of them was raised uh, with the politically elite of his day, he was brought up as a close friend or stepbrother to the son of Herod the Tetrarch. He rubbed shoulders with uh, the powers that be. And so by leadership, they were positioned to take the gospel outside their circle. I love the story of the founding of the church at Antioch in Acts eleven nineteen, 19. And so it's, it's in their DNA from day one. Luke, uh, Acts 11, 19. now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only, little small circle, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, notice their leadership later in chapter 13, who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists or the Greeks or the Gentiles. Preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he, had, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And encouraged them all with that purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. It was a part of their DNA, this cultural, ethnic geographic diversity. The other thing though that we see in chapter 13 is that they were attuned to the Holy Spirit. They were ministering to the Lord, they were fasting, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. The story of the first century is the story of how God was moving his people to take the gospel into all the world. But he needed a people that were attuned to the Holy Spirit to listen. The third thing that I see is not only were these people attuned to the Holy Spirit and were they called by the Holy Spirit because it says, set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were obedient. Now, this if you look at your sheet, this is kind of astounding to me. If you look at the timeline, huh, the death and resurrection of Jesus is in 30 AD. Paul is converted in about 34 A.D. Last Sunday, when we talked about Peter and Cornelius, Peter's eyes being opened to the possibility there were Gentiles that ought to be a part of the circle, was in 38 A.D. We pick up the story. When Paul leaves on his first missionary journey in Acts 13, it's 46 A.D. What I want you to get is chronologically, it's been 16 years since Jesus said, And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, the expansion of their circles was going very, very slowly. No, look at it otherwise. Peter's vision that Gentiles ought to be included is in 38 AD. Eight years have passed. Now, I know God is not a thumb twiddler, but the vision I get is of God in heaven going, okay, Peter, no, I told you, this gospel goes to everybody. What? Where is the record? It's like Peter leads Cornelius to faith and goes, yep, the gospel's open up for all the Gentiles. Never occurred to him that there's more to that 99% of the world that might need to hear the gospel. This is an overstatement. I'm sure there are stories. They're just not recorded and God waits and even for Paul, if he's converted in 34 AD, the first missionary journey is in 46, it's 12 years. It's like, no, it's time. It's time. And so he moves in the church of Antioch. Not only does the Holy Spirit speak to them, but they are obedient. And Paul and Barnabas are sent out. Now on your sheet, and this is the reason I've printed this out because I don't have time to cover it, this is going to be on the test. Last Sunday of December, after we've gone through all 50 sermons, yeah. I hope you've been saving your notes. Mm. Wow, that's going to be bad. But I want you to know that for seven, eight chapters, eight chapters in Acts from then on, you see these missionary journeys of Paul. The first missionary journey, the second, the third. Um, and there's a list of those. Oh, I really wanted to cover these. i got to show you a map because this is so... Geographic Can I show the map of his journeys? Man, we don't have time for this, do we? No, it's color coordinated. Do you see that? Paul's first missionary journey is in blue. You ought to be, this is going to be on the test. You need to know where these geographic places are. Oh no, it's just not going to happen, is it today? I don't have time, but Paul. The thing that I want to say is if you look at the dark blue circ- the line, you see that they go to Cyprus. Why did they go to Cyprus? Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's going to his people he has a connection with. Why do they go into the southern part of Asia Minor? Because that's where Paul is from. It's not far from Tarsus, and they take the gospel in there. The next time they go out, they expand further. And the third missionary journey, they expand even further. I wish we could trace this down uh, geographically, but... For some of y'all you have a study bible you can look at these maps and study this this afternoon instead of taking a nap. Now if I had to summarize those three journeys it's on your sheet. There were there were seven things that we see when we just read those eight chapters which I did this week a couple times. Say what was it that Paul did? Well the first thing he almost always did if there was a synagogue of the Jews He started at the Jewish synagogue. Why? Those were his people. That was the people that had the first half of the book. They had a connection to what Paul was talking about. And so invariably they would start at the Jewish synagogue, be run out of the synagogue, and then they would take the gospel to the Gentiles. It's story after story, city after city. The second thing that Paul simply did was he preached the gospel. He presented Jesus to them. Guess what happened? Some people believed. Some people did not. (gasps) The same will be true for you and I. Paul took the Old Testament scripture and he took it as a bridge for the Jewish people to bring him to the New Testament. He simply preached the gospel. He would say to the Romans years later, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He just preached the gospel, and some people, Jesus, drew to believe and accept. Others did not. And what Paul would do, the third point, was he organized churches. He always gathered them into a community of faith, which is so significant. He did not just create converts. He created churches. The fourth thing he did, oh my well, he didn't do it. It was done to him. <laughs> Though, man, Paul was a lightning rod. I mean, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just going over some broad concepts here in the book of Acts, trying to summarize this. Some would believe, some would not, and there was a group of those who did not believe that eventually, almost in every town, would run Paul out of town. Man. He relates this in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. The reality was... As bold as Paul was, he got just that amount of opposition back at him. What we also see in in the scriptures is that then Paul would come back and he would report to the church of Antioch. That's the fifth thing of his missionary strategy. He was sent out by the church of Antioch. They surely supported him in, in so many ways. He would come back and he would report that. The sixth thing is he would return. To disciple the believers in those towns. And so if we looked at that map again, he keeps lapping through, going, No, I'm going back over there because he had he had people had come to faith, he had organized them in churches and he had taught them, but then he left, and then he would come back and he would teach them. He would disciple them in a deeper way to ground them in the faith. The seventh thing that we see from the New Testament, and we're going to spend some weeks in this, is Paul then wrote letters back to the churches and pastors when he could not go back and see them he would write a letter 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament are Paul's writings to churches and pastors and we're going to spend some weeks in this series looking at those letters in a general and even a chronological sense Antioch becomes the first sending church And you know what happens in the history of the early church in the first century? The center of activity moves from Jerusalem to Antioch. Do you know why? Because the church of Antioch caught the wave of God's activity of what God wanted to do. And it's as if God's hand moves off these founding fathers north to Antioch because they got it. You know what they got? That their circle had to be expanded for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. The church of Antioch got it others missed it and you kind of I don't know it's a little bit sad to me and I'm not Peter doesn't die at this point John doesn't die at this point but it's almost as if Peter and John have been the men and in the drama brother, brother Cody it's just like they exit you don't see their story really much at all on stage comes Saul of Tarsus Because he caught the wave of what God was doing, he knew that his circle had to be broadened for everyone in the world to hear about Jesus. Hmm. And so, First Baptist Church, what about us? What does our circle look like? And you know, I'm not even talking about Africa, I'm not talking about the world. What does our circle look like in Huntington, Texas? Have we covered is every all 8,000 people in our zip code? Do they have some connection with somebody? And I'm not saying we're the only Christians, but we're only responsible for ourselves. Have we expanded, extended our circles so that the gospel will go to everybody? I mean, someday, let's just be honest, we as members of this church are going to stand before God and God's going to say, "What did you do?" with the mission field I placed you in. And here's what happens. The danger is our circle with time, the tendency is for our circle to shrink. And we don't see people anymore. And we limit our circle and the activity of God because we just see certain people in our circle What does God want to do in these days in our church? I'm not talking about Africa. I'm not talking about Asia. I'm not talking about anywhere in the world. I'm just saying, hey, why don't we start at home? What does God need to do here? What does God need to, and you know, ultimately, this doesn't just become a church question. This becomes an individual question. What does my circle look like? And am I being responsible, spiritually, for the people that God has put in my circle I would dare say there's probably somebody in each one of our lives that we are their only connection to Christ and I know God can find another person (laughs) there's probably somebody in our life we may be the only Christian that's connected to them and we have a spiritual responsibility to them and is it possible for us in order that we cover just Huntington, Texas, that we have to have the vision of the Antioch Church that says, maybe my circle has to be expanded for everybody to be covered, and I have to take responsibility for that. Does that make sense? And I think that's the message to us today. How many people in Huntington, of the 8,000 people in Huntington, Texas, how many of those people are in God's circle? Thank you, Brother Barry. And the truth is, everybody sitting in this room is in God's circle. And what I'm saying to you is God loves each one of you whether you, like R.J. and Brody, have crossed the line of faith or not, God still loves you. He wants you to be a part of his family. It's possible you are here today to hear that very message. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. And there's really two things. As Brother Shane comes in our music team, I want you to stand. Um, if, you're, if you've already... Trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to seriously think about today. Who's in my circle? And is it possible that God wants to extend my circle? And then if you haven't crossed the line of faith yet, is today your day? To say yes. I know that God loves me, that Jesus died for me. Just like R.J. would say. No, He knew that for years. But last Sunday afternoon, he had to take a make a step to say, yes, I will admit that I'm a sinner and trust Christ to save me, and forgive me of my sins. And this morning, uh, we're going to be at the front, Byron and I, and uh, to receive you, we want to talk with you and pray with you, or maybe you want to come to the altar. Uh, But let me pray, and then we'll we'll have our time of invitation. Father, today, we uh, thank you that you love all of us. Uh, And so, Father, I pray for anyone in the room uh, who hasn't taken the step of faith yet. And I pray that you would draw them to yourself today and they would make that decision in their life. I pray for those of us who have received Christ. That you would give us a heart led by the Holy Spirit to extend our circle. So that as many people as possible will come to know Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you'd give us that heart today and we pray it. In Jesus' name.